Now you can find, listen and subscribe to Chilling with Jens and the local Danfoss Climate Solution podcast in your RevTools app. Download it from danfoss.com. Service and support. Downloads. Hi, I'm Jens Andersen from Danfoss Climate Solution. Today I have a talk with John Broughton, who you all know by now, about the Danfoss Optima Plus controller for the Optima Plus condensing unit. The thing is that this controller can actually help you by service calls with indications of what may be wrong with a failing system. So John is giving us a lot of insight into how to use the operational data. During the talk, we're mentioning a few pieces of Danfoss literature, and you should be able to find links to these on the spot where you usually download your Chilling with the Ends podcasts. John, thank you so much for taking your time with us again, as uh, we've done a few times before. So this time it's about Optima Plus and the, you could say, the assistance of the Optima Plus in uh, troubleshooting, maintenance, and uh, service situations. But let's start from the very beginning. How or where, rather, where do we install this Optima Plus controller, and how does it work? Hi, Jens. Um, yeah, let's let's start right at the beginning. Um, the Optima controller is fitted in the Danfoss. Uh, range of Optima Plus condensing units. And basically what that uh, electronic controller does is that it looks after the condensing unit. It's uh, basically the, the list of functions. It'll display your evaporating temperature as a default on the display. It has various alarm modes, um, external alarm relays. It looks after the fan speed control, um, condensing pressure control based on ambient temperature, operation of the crankcase heater, low pressure, high pressure um, settings for the unit, discharge gas temperature, um, night setback function where we can reduce the uh, fan speed and also the compressor speed on the variable speed units. And then we also have built-in communication to a Danfoss uh, front-end type system. So. Yeah, it, it's fitted on the, the Danfoss Optima Plus range of condensing units, not to be confused with the uh, Optima Cauldron Control unit. They sort of share the same name. So you have to be a little bit careful if you're ever searching on the internet for the product. It's the Danfoss Optima Controller. If you search Danfoss or Optima controller, you'll get a cauldron controller. Right. And and uh, uh, just just the visual, the one that we're talking about is the black box, right? Yes. Yeah, correct. Ah, yeah, The black box, right. sort of 30 centimeters long, 10 centimeters tall. Um, if anybody's familiar with the uh, Adaptcool range of controllers from Danfoss. The actual platform is based on the AKCC 550 controller, which uh, if anybody works in the food retail arena, they'll they'll know what, what that controller is. Yeah. So yes, the, the black one. Yeah, okay. So how do you get this 
condensing you up and running? Um, it's fairly simple, Jens, to be honest. And, you know, people get a little bit uh, worried about electronic controls, I guess, but it's part of ev everyday life now. Um, so to actually get the units up and running, when a unit is an Optima Plus condensing unit is, is delivered and you're on site, it's actually pre-programmed um, with the default refrigerant, and that depends on the model number um, of the condensed unit and also the region in the well that uh, you're working at. There is a few settings that you need to set up depending on the refrigerant that you're using. Um, and there is a quick start guide available from Danfoss. Now, before you put mains power onto the uh, onto the condensed unit and onto the controller itself, on the top left-hand corner of the controller, there is a link and it's the DI1 terminal, and that's basically the external on-off switch to the controller. So if you take that out and then apply power, the unit will not start the compressor or start the fan. You have mains power to the controller, but it will not run anything. Um, so we remove that DI1 terminal, and then we need to go in and we need to uh, change the internal main switch in the controller. Now that parameter is R12, but we better talk about how we actually access the parameters. So with power onto the controller, we press the top button. Now on the right-hand side of the controller, there's three buttons. Um, if you press the top button for five seconds with power on, then you will enter the programming mode, and then you can scroll up and down the parameter lists with the top and bottom buttons. If you find the parameter that you want to uh, access and change or look at, you press the middle button and that will enter that parameter. You then use the top and bottom buttons to change that parameter setting. Press the middle button again to set that parameter and then you're back into the parameter menu again. Bit difficult to explain without visually showing it, but hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, and I guess if you have been working with Danfoss uh, cooling controls before, it's a bit you know, the same old, same old, right? Yes. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, We use the same fun functionality on, on all the controllers. Yeah. So we've got power to the unit. We've removed the DI1 terminal. Uh, we know how to access the, the menu structure. So if we access the menu structure and we go in and we find R12, which is the, let's say, internal on-off switch to the controller, and that's the same parameter in all Danfoss controllers, R12 is always main switch. We go in, we find R12, and we change the value to zero. Um, and that we confirm that value, and you'll have all the three LEDs on the display will actually flash when we're in uh, zero on R12. So when we've done R12 into zero, we can then go in, and we can decide if we're going to use the pump down function on the controller. If we're setting pump down, we need to set a pump down value. Now, pump down value is set as a default within the controllers, but again, this is site dependent and application dependent. So you need to set your correct uh, pump down setting. Um, that is C33, parameter C33. So you need to go in and check that you're happy with that particular setting for your application of the condensing unit. We then need to go to parameter 030, which is the refrigerant setting. And as I said, all the units are come pre-programmed with the default refrigerant. 
depending on the compressor that's fitted and also the region that that unit is sold. Um, the units are multi-refrigerant, so you can use a range of refrigerants. So yeah, you need to go into 030 and set the uh, set the unit for the refrigerant that you're using. The the numbers are are predefined. You'll see them in the in the menu structure with the manual that, that comes with the unit. For example, if you set 030 to 41, that would be R449A, for example. Um, you need to use a refrigerant, or you should only use a refrigerant on that unit that is approved for the unit, and that will be displayed on the data plate that's on the side of the condensing unit. That, those are basically the settings that you need to uh, get the unit up and running. You need to go back and set R12 again to one, to plus one, uh, and then you also need to put that link back in, that DI1 link, top left-hand corner of the controller, and that will, um, the unit's ready to run then, basically. Right. So, in simple terms, uh, you know, you've got your pump-down setting, your refrigerant setting, and your main switch to to alter, and then the unit is is running and, and able to run. Great. So, so we are in the running now. Yes. <clears throat> so, how about the checking how the unit is actually working when it's operating. What information can you actually get out of this controller? Mm, um, quite quite a lot, actually, Jens. Um, there is a lot of service parameters that we can access within the controller. Um, and, you know, we can read things like the condensing pressure. We can read things like the uh, suction superheat back at the compressor. So we can make sure how the machine is operating. We can look at the ambient temperature uh, affecting the condenser. We can read the discharge temperature on the compressor. Um, suction gas temperature coming back to the machine. So there's basically lots of information that we can look at to ascertain the health of the system. We have to make sure that obviously suction superheat is not too high. Uh, we need some suction gas cooling coming back to the machine, but we don't want obviously uh, liquid coming back to the machine. So we don't want a very small suction superheat or you know zero suction superheat. Mm. Then we have an issue. If we have too high suction superheat, which means we're not getting enough cool gas back to the machine, then the discharge temperature is going to rise. Right. So yeah. we can monitor the health of our compressor, which is the most important mm. component within our, our refrigeration system. It is the, the heart of the system at the end of the day. Um, so during the commissioning process, yes, you can have your gauges fitted, and that's something that I would always do on a site anyway, fit your man-o-meter uh, onto site, but you can also read a lot of information from the digital display on the unit as well. Yeah. But what about alarm? And alarm situations, John. How does that the unit handle that? And what can we see in the display? Um, the the display itself. Uh, there's three LEDs on the front of the Optima controller, um, and they will they will flash in an error situation. And there's also an external alarm relay on the controller that will be activated. Now. To be fair, when I go to, to site, not a lot of people connect up that alarm relay. Um, you could connect it up to a flashing light, to a, a beacon, a sounder, so that the, the end user knows that there is an issue with the refrigeration system. Um, 
as I said in the beginning, that can also be linked to communication to a Danfoss front end if if needed as well. Um, but basically, in an alarm situation, the LEDs on the front of the controller will flash, and there's two kinds of error error reports uh, from the controller. We've got uh, operational error, which is an A error, or we've got a default or a defect in the installation, which is an E error. Um, and if you press the, the top button of the controller briefly, that will then display the alarm code. And <clears throat> for example, if we have a um, A96 alarm, that means we have a discharge gas temperature has exceeded the setting within the controller. So yes, it is an alarm code, but so long as you have the, the literature that came with the unit, that will then explain what that alarm code um, is um, basically a an A alarm, so that is a operation alarm. Things like LP alarm, for example, um, low suction pressure. If that condition goes away, then that alarm will go away. But if we have an E error, and an E error could be something like a pressure transmitter fault, then that will not go away until that issue is resolved. Yeah, and now, John, the deep dive stuff. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, the, the the deep deep dive stuff within the controller itself. There's also some runtime counters that we can uh, that we can read. Now, these are quite useful when you go to site, and these are P parameters, so uh, P48, P49, right up to to P80, and um, for example, on P51, you can read the number of high pressure alarms. Um, P52, the number of LP alarms. P P53, the number of discharge temperature alarms. Um, so you can see a lot of history. They're not time stamped, unfortunately. It's just a counter. Um, but if you have an issue, you go to site. It's always a good thing to look at these uh, readings so that you can see health of the system, how the system has been operating. If there has been discharge temperature alarms, you know that that compressor in uh, certain timeframes is working outside of its envelope. So we need to find out why it's working outside of its operational envelope. Discharge temperature alarms um, to me are critical because that means that we're not getting uh, suction gas cooling back to the machine. High discharge temperature can affect the the service life of the compressor um, greatly, so that that's a really uh, good one to look at. We can also then see the running hours of the condensing unit, which is P48, and that is the the running hours that that unit has had power. Then we look at P49, which is the operating time, so the amount of time the compressor has actually been running. So then we can also see whether um, if the if the units had power on for a long time, but the operating hours are very small compared to the power usage, then we know that the system is oversized, mm. so yeah. it's not uh, you know working as it should. Um, so <clears throat> yeah, those are sort of deep dive parameters to actually go in and look at the health of the system. Obviously, we shouldn't have high pressure alarms. We shouldn't have discharge temperature alarms. And the the uh, time between 
the unit actually working and having mains on should be you know we're talking a 16 hour 18 hour runtime per 24 mm. um, so we can do a fairly easy calculation to see is the unit working a lot is it you know really working hard or is it not working hard enough yeah um just as a point to mention the the p alarms um uh basically the value for the run hours needs to be multiplied by a thousand okay to get to get the actual value yeah. um you can also reset these parameters as well so if you go to site um maybe you don't have a fault with the unit maybe you do um always look at the p parameters and then when you've been on the site you can actually reset these p parameters all back to zero so the next time you go to site you can then see if you've had any further occurrences for example high discharge alarms um and the way to to set that basically we spoke about this main switch r12 um we set the main switch to zero you manually have to reset the p parameters back to or counters back to zero wait 10 seconds so we get this right to the eprom within the controller and then we make a repower of the controller so we turn it off turn it on then we set r12 main switch back on and those parameters now should be set back to zero so you have that that resetting of the parameters okay john so are there any possibilities to see how things are actually operating right at this point in time? There is a, a group of setting yens called the uh, the S uh, parameters, which basically is an operating status. So again, we talk about those three buttons on the right hand side of the controller. If you uh, if you briefly press the, the, the top button, um and there's no alarms currently it will give a status code um again these status codes are in the literature um, but basically s0 means that you have normal regulation everything's working um as it should if you uh if the unit is uh, sat there and the compressor's not running um it will come up with an s2 status which basically means the compressor is not running because it's waiting for something to happen in the chain of command might be an anti-recycle timer for example that's holding the compressor off um, if it was s10 for example that means that the the main switch that we spoke about r12 could be uh, set to zero or minus one which is the service mode or we have uh, that digital input that we spoke about, DI1, maybe that's been removed. Um, so that is what S10 is. Um, then S26, for example, we might not have a uh, any refrigerant selected within the unit. So there's a few in there that will tell you, um, yeah, what the unit is doing at that specific moment in time. Okay, yes, got it. Um, John, uh, we have a few different controllers. Uh, one is the, you could say, the normal uh, uh, Optima Plus controller, and then you have the Optima Plus controller inverter. Are there any difference between those two? Uh, that's a good question, Jens, and actually, no, it's exactly the same controller. 
um, that's fitted on the Optima Plus fixed speed condenser unit and the Optima Plus inverter, which is the variable speed condenser unit. So the, the controller that's fitted is exactly the same. And depending on the settings within the controller, as I said, the controllers come preset from the factory. Um, so they're, they're preset if it's a fixed speed machine or it's a variable machine. The thing to remember is that if you're on site and you uh, you know, have a deep dive into looking at all the parameter settings, you will see parameters on a fixed speed machine that are obviously made for the variable speed machine. So don't adjust any of the parameters for that. Um, it, it has to be set for the, the right compressor um, within the unit. I, I have come to site occasionally where people have, on a variable speed machine, um, the setting has been changed to a fixed speed machine. So the machine only runs at one speed, and then they yeah. wonder why it's not uh, doing a variable speed operation. Somebody uh, has, has changed that setting to a fixed speed machine. So mm. you've just got to be a little bit wary of, um, you know, don't adjust settings that you don't need to. Let's say yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I get it. And 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 maybe we should also mention that what we've been talking about is only a very, very few of the many different uh, settings and uh, parameters that, that we that you can actually access. Can we can we say anything about how much we've actually been talking about today? Um, yeah, that, that's a uh, again a good question, Jens, because within the controller itself, there's there's 50 plus um, parameters that you could alter uh you know we've been speaking about sort of three four of those parameters um the rest of them as i said are pre-set um when the unit's manufactured and basically you need to you know just leave those alone and don't don't alter any settings there is obviously some that that we could um you know alter um things like the minimum um condensing temperature for example if we have a situation where the unit is um you know getting very cold and we've got very long pipe runs we might need to raise the condensing pressure a little bit so there is a few settings that we can adjust um but what we want to make sure is that we've got the unit working and working correctly and we're not adjusting parameters that we don't know what they're for um there's a famous phrase that I tend to use, which is called sticky fingers. And I like any technician. There's lots of parameters. Ooh, let's have a look at all what the parameters are. Um, but then sometimes you can get to a situation where you change a parameter. You don't know why you've changed it, but then you don't know what it was in the first place to change it back again. So lots of parameters, you know, are just ones that you understand the functionality of. And it has to be said that anybody working with these units, you know, must be trained and competent to do what they're doing. John, so all these parameters, and I know we've been there, you know, sticky fingers, whatever we call it. How can we possibly get back to the factory setting if anything goes wrong with the, yeah, the busy fingers? <laughs> yeah, if if there's been some sticky fingers and they've altered lots of parameters and we don't know where we are, it is possible to do a factory reset. Um, now, it is a 
I won't say lengthy process and I won't sort of explain every step. Um, but basically, every controller is programmed to work with a Pacific condensing unit. Now, if you do a factory reset, you basically wipe the controller of all the settings and then you have to reprogram that controller for the condensing unit that you're that it that it is inside of. Now, this procedure is explained in the literature and that's the best place to direct you because to explain it as we are talking now is, is sort of quite lengthy, but it is possible. You can do a factory reset. It is explained in the literature. And if you you know did have any uh, challenges, you can also speak to the technical support people within Danfoss or the wholesalers who can also talk you through the process. Okay. Thanks. Now, if the controller stops or dies, what do I do? Mm, that's a good question, and and one that I get asked quite a lot when I do training sessions. Um, you've basically got two options. One is a very temporary solution, and obviously the other one is the uh, the best solution. The best solution is to replace the controller with a new controller. Um, now, just a sort of point to note that on the controller itself, if you look on the end of the controller, there is a code number and it says on the end of the controller, depending on the software version, age of the controller, but the one I've got in front of me here is uh, 084B8080, which gives a code number. Now, unfortunately, if you speak to your friendly wholesaler and give them that code number, um, they will struggle to find that code number. The correct code number for a replacement controller, and I just have to find it in my literature here, um, is 118U3465. That's the correct code number that you need to give to your wholesaler. If you quote the uh, 8080 number, they will struggle to, to find it. Um, so, yeah, the best solution is to replace the controller. If you can't get hold of a controller, if there is a, you know, a slight delay in the supply of that controller, um, and we do have issues such as that at the moment with the global supply of semiconductor material, um, you can, I'd use the term hotwire the, uh, the, the, the electrical panel to get the system up and running again. And that again is detailed in the, the various pieces of Danfoss literature. What, what I need to say, Jens, though, is that if you do hotwire it, and whether that's the right terminology or not, um, the unit is then running on the mechanical pressure switches of that unit. So it's in a emergency mode, if you like. Um, don't leave it like that for too long because yeah. there's, 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 you know, very basic safeties. We've got a basic LP and a basic HP which is a mechanical switch. Now that basic LP is set at minus 0.3 of a bar, so quite low. Mm. And if we're talking a scroll compressor, um, again, we're just taking that scroll very slightly into a vacuum, which is okay, but we don't want to do that for a huge period of time. No. So it is, it is an emergency situation. It will give you cooling, um, but yeah, please don't leave it like that forever. Thank you so much. Sorry for the rather abrupt stop of the recording. 
But a big thank you to John again for taking the time to educate us, the marveling masses, in how to read and interpret the data gathered by the Optima Plus controller. Please give us feedback on Chilling with Jens in one word at danfoss.com. And as usual, stay cool and above all, stay safe. Mm.